So this morning, we want to talk about a subject that's very near and dear to our hearts, and it's called love. And to start that off, Larry, would you throw up our presentation? And then also, we want to start this off by a, a song that we all know, and I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to ask you to sing along. And uh, when the appropriate time is, where are my, my wife, where did she go? She was supposed to help me in leading the motions, because I'm not a real uh, I don't have a lot of rhythm, but Jackie does. So I just need you to stand up, and when the time's right, you'll know when the time's right, because you know this song, and so sing it together with us. You know, I started thinking about this song last Monday. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your emotions. You did a great job. But, you know, I've been thinking about this song, and I've got to tell you, I got it in my brain on Monday, and I've been singing this song all week long. 
It is such a loving song. And I got to say, after I sang that song and after I sang it, I just want to come up and give you a hug, Chad. I, I just want to tell you, man. Chad, I love you, man. I love you. Oh, I love you, Chad. I love you. Jim, I love you. Jeannie, I love you. I just, you know, I don't really care. I, I just love you. I don't care how you've lived. I, I don't care if you're going to hell, Chad. I just love you, man. I do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just, do you you get that feeling here that this is a kind of love that just is so sappy and so over the top that it just says, I just, I just can't even, I don't have the words to describe love. I just love you guys so much. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It sounds so good, doesn't it? It's It's such a good feeling that we have. And so today I want to talk about love, and, and I want to I just explore the concept of truly what is love, and, and is this really all the world needs is more of this I love you, sappy love? Is that what we're missing? Is that the ingredient that we don't have enough of? I don't know. So let's talk about that. There are eight different kinds of love. Eight different kinds of love we want that the Greek, ancient Greeks, Greeks came up with. So they're listed on your sheet. Eros, philia, storage, ludus, mania, pragma, philatia, agape. So I want to talk about these. Let's, let's understand really what these love, what these forms of love are. And so we can understand more about the love that the world needs. The first one is eros. Eros, or erotic love. This is, a, this is dangerous and frightening as it, is, as it involves a loss of control through the primal impulse to procreate. <laughs> eros is a passionate and intense form of love that arouses romantic and sexual feelings. But when misguided, eros can be misused, abused, and lead to broken hearts as we all probably have had broken hearts in the past, right? Puppy love. Eros is a primal and powerful fire that burns out quickly if it's not centered around the selfless acts of other kinds of love. It's a personal infatuation, and it's basically a selfish, physical love on our pleasures. Eros love. The second kind of love is philia, or affectionate love. And, and the ancient Greeks valued philia far above eros because it was considered a love between equals. Philia is a type of love that is felt among friends who've endured hard times together. It's not typically a sexual love. It's free from the intensity of sexual attractions. It often is involved with loyalty between friends and those that have... Um, been on a same team or camaraderie or they have a sense of sacrifice that we are together in the pack, if you will. All right? The philia love is a brotherly love. And then there's storage love or familiar love. And although this is closely resembled to philia love, it's a love without physical attraction. It's the kind of it's the love that parents have for children and children have for parents. And it's the love that close friends have that are based upon childhood uh, relationships and things and experiences we've had when we were younger. And then later has transformed and grown into our, uh, a shared adult love 
It can also become, though, an obstacle on our spiritual paths, though, because if our family doesn't support us, it can can become a problem in some areas. So there's some issues with storage love. Then fourthly, there's ludus love or a playful love. And and this is very similar to uh, the eros love and the fact that it is a playful form of love and it's the affection between young lovers. It's that, it's that stage of the fluttering heart and that you know how it feels when you had that first love of your, of your life and you're, you just can't, you lose your appetite when you think about this person and you just have this love and it's just a playful form of love. But it's an essential ingredient that's, that's often lost, however, in long-term relationships. We all could use a little more ludus. <laughs> We all could use a little more of this playful love in our relationships, probably. It's that childlike innocence that our love has. And then there's number five, the mania or obsessive love. And this is a, this is a love that is, um, leads to a, a real jealousy or a madness or obsessiveness. It occurs when there is an a imbalance between eros and ludus where we just have this possessive nature. This person wants to be loved. They want to love, and they to, but to find a sense of this, they have to find a sense of self-value. And because of this, they can become very possessive or jealous, and, and they desperately need their partners, and this can lead to codependency. That's mania love. Number six is pragma or enduring love. This is a good love. This is a love that has aged and matured and developed over time. And you can find pragma in married couples who've been married for a long time, like Jackie and Larry, who are, are, who are celebrating their 35th wedding anniversary today. Larry, do you need ludus love or pragma love? Or eros love? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take them all. He just, he just walked in from, he was out taking different other things. So he just walked in, he has no idea what we're talking about. But pragma love is a type of love that is found in long-time relationships and enduring friendships. And unfortunately, pragma is a type of love that is not easily found. And here's a really important point. We spend so much time and energy trying to find love and so little time learning how to maintain love. Wow, this is really important for us. We need to know how do I maintain love with my partner, with my wife, or my husband. Pragma love. Unlike the other types of love, pragma is the result of effort on both sides. It's a give and take. It's a love between people who've learned to make compromises and have demonstrated patience and tolerance to make the relationship work. Pragma, pragmatic, pragma love. It's a love that grows with time. I love that kind of love. And then there's the philatia love or self-love. And the Greeks understood that in order to care for others, we must first learn to care for ourselves. And this is a form of self-love that is not the unhealthy and self-obsession love. This is not the narcissistic kind of love. This is a good love. We need to know, we have to love each other. I'm sorry, we have to love ourselves before we can love each other. I really can't give you anything that I don't already have. 
It's a love that we have that says, I'm comfortable in my own skin. You know what I'm talking about? You don't, you're not trying to be like somebody else. You're not trying to take on somebody else's characteristics. You're not trying to, uh, this is not hero worship. No, you, you see yourself as who you are, and you're okay with it. And, it's, and you, need to, you need to accept yourself, even in some of our weaknesses. Because you cannot share what you do not have. If you do not love yourself, how can you love anyone else? So it is a positive type of self-love. And then number eight is the agape, or selfless love. And this is the highest and most radical type of love, according to the Greeks, is that agape is selfless and it's unconditional love. This is the kind of love that God has for us. It has nothing to do with the condition-based type of love that our sex-obsessed culture tries to pass as love. Agape is a spiritual love. It's unconditional. It's bigger than ourselves. It's boundless. It's infinite in its empathy. In its purest form, this, this, this is the love that is free from desires and expectations and loves regardless of the flaws and shortcomings of each other. This is a powerful love. This is divine truth. This is the love that accepts, forgives, and believes for the greater good. So there's lots of forms of love. And the reality is we all live in them and we all move in them in some degree in our everyday life with relationships with people. So the question is, is this what the world is looking for? Do we just need more of the combination of these kinds of loves? Is this is it? Is, can love like these, can love like this solve the problems of the world? What does love really do for us? Why are we created to need love? These are some good questions. And so we're going to kind of go through this today and hopefully understand truly what the love is that the world needs because the world does need love. I agree with that song. It does need love, but it needs the right kind of love in the right context. So to begin to answer these questions, we need to establish the baseline of our human condition and then relate that back to a God that loves us as he does, truly with that agape love. We're created to love and be loved because that's the way God created us in his original design. We're created to love and to be loved because that's the way God created us. God created us in in the image of himself, including the Godhead, the triune Godhead. God is, God is love, and, and the, the, the triune Godhead, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are in perfect love with each other. They understand each other. They love each other. There is no disagreement between the Godhead at all. And so it's in this very nature that God created man. In this form of agape love is how we were created. When he created Adam and Eve, he created them with a nature of love just like he is. In the very image of God, he created mankind, right? We all know the story. We all know that. And that Adam and Eve and God enjoyed a perfect, constant, continual, daily, intimate, agape love. 
and they just were so peaceful at ease, at comfort with each other. They were comfortable in their skin. They knew each other. God would come down and fellowship with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and they would talk and converse. And God gave Adam many responsibilities in the garden to name all the animals and to take care of the garden. And it was just a great existence of God's perfect love with mankind. That's the way God created us to be. That's what he wanted from us for all eternity That was his original plan. But then it happened. What happened? Sin. Sin entered the garden in the form of a simple act of disobedience that forever changed the relationship between man and God. The connection between them was severed and it was changed forever. One little act of disobedience broke the chain of God's love. Hmm. Adam and Eve hid from God now because sin opened their eyes to their nakedness. They covered themselves for the first time before God because they were embarrassed, because they were naked, because now they saw themselves for what they really were. They were sinful. And they had broken the relationship. And what used to be an open and loving relationship with God, their creator, changed now to be a relationship of hiding from God. They now hid themselves. They covered themselves with leaves, and they hid in the garden now. When God came down in the cool of the day that next afternoon, he came down expecting Adam and Eve to be there in their purity and that pure relationship, and They were nowhere to be found. So God called out, Adam, where are you? It wasn't that God didn't know where they were at. He knew exactly what had happened, but they needed to know where they were at. They needed to understand that they were now hiding from God. Adam, where are you? And they say, we have sinned, and we're now not in that same relationship. And it was a bad day for them. It was a bad day for all creation because at that moment in time, all creation fell. All creation fell. I mean, the perfection of God's creation now is marred and stained and broken because the sin of man broke everything. That's why the Bible says that the creation today is groaning as in the days of childbirth because the relationship between God and man was broken and all of creation fell. What God created in perfection today is anything but perfect, right? I think we all can see that. There's every form of evil present in the world and is causing all kinds of evil and violence beyond what we can even imagine. That wasn't God's heart. This world as we know it is spinning wildly out of control, and unless God miraculously intervenes somehow, some way, it appears that mankind will, evol- will eventually and ultimately destroy what God created to last forever. We are in the process of des- destroying God's creation. And I know this statement may seem radical and nonsensible, but when I look at the news, when you watch the news around you, what do you see? Do you see a world that is managed well by human leadership? 
Do you see a world that is where people are loving each other and they're taking care of each other the way we're supposed to? Are nations treating each other well? Are, are people treating each other well? Are families treating each other well? No, it, the answer is obvious. That evil is rampant in the world today. And even though there are segments of good people and segments of, of goodness, men without God are inherently evil and the evidence proves it. Not only does the evidence prove it, but so does Scripture. Let's read a little bit what Scripture says about what mankind is like, what we're like without having a relationship through Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says. This is shortly after the creation, shortly after the fall, shortly after man began to populate the earth. This is actually right before Noah's Noah's Ark. Genesis chapter 6 tells us, beginning at verse 5, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. And then the next verse says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is where mankind ended up. And where are we today? Well, let's continue to read. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says in a living translation, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And then in the New Testament, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and following, it says, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. I don't want to start, I don't want to be a downer here, but that's where we're at. <laughs> that's the condition of human nature today. We're far from the way that God created us. He created us to be perfect, and He created us to need a relationship with Him. Love at that point was the primary focal point. So let's go back. Let's go back to the claim that we started beginning this morning with, with is in that all the world needs is now love, sweet love. You want to sing it again? All the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world? I can't get that out of my mind. I'm sorry. I've been singing it all week long on my bus routes. I'm singing it. The kids are walking. Going, oh. The bus driver's going crazy. Look at him up there swaying. It was terrible. But as we define love, is this really what we need to save the world? Is this what we need? How would worldly love have us begin to solve the problems 
of the world's violence and overall relational condition. See, that song that we just heard and we just sang, it appears that all we have to do is love people more. Just love people more, and all of a sudden the world's problems are going to be solved. I like a quote that Albert Einstein said. He said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. So if that's the case, if we just need to accept people as they are, no matter how they've chosen to live, no matter what they've done in their life, if it's just a matter of us loving them more the way they're at, is that going to change anything? Or are we insane? (laughs) Or are we living out the definition of Einstein's insanity? See, we're not supposed to put pressure on people. We're not supposed to put expectations on them that they need to change. See, if we started to do that, then we're adding stress in their life and we're, giving, we're adding more burdens in an already difficult situation and we're, we're adding more stress to their life if we expect any kind of a change of their behavior. But is that the love of the Bible? Is that the love that the Bible's talking about? Can you see any place? Can you search Scripture? I challenge you to search Scripture and try to find God's love that is proven by acceptance of ungodly people without any acknowledgement that there is a need to change hearts and mind and, and to change their choices. I challenge you to find that definition in God's word, that God loves people unconditionally even in their sin, and he's okay with it. Now let's just imagine, though, Let's imagine that the world was different. Let's imagine that Adam and Eve never did sin. Let's just go back in our our mind's eye and just imagine what the last 6,000 years would have been like if Adam and Eve have never sinned. Wow. It would be perfect. We would have no stress, no strife. We would have no need for a legal system. We would have no need for police officers. We would have no need for court systems. We would have no need for prisons. Because then we would be perfect. Then in that kind of a situation, I would have no reason to look at anybody with a judgment, with a judgmental eye or a discerning mind. I would not need to because we're all perfect. We're all as God created us to be. But unfortunately, that's not the way it is. Unfortunately, we know that today that's not the case. That today the world is in need of something more than worldly love. You see, if God knew that to solve the problems of the world today, all he had to do was was to add more worldly love and all would be okay, then why did Jesus have to leave heaven and come to earth? Why did Jesus have to die a horribly painful death on the cross? Why did Jesus have to suffer and sacrifice as he did if all it required was God to say, all right, I'm just going to add more of the same love you already have, the eight kinds of love we just described. I'm just going to pour more of that out into the world. Why would we need, why would Jesus have had to come to the earth and do what he did for us? See, let me, ask, let me make this statement. Is it possible that there may be an opposing force that we cannot see that would have the ability and the motivation 
to lie and deceive mankind into thinking that they don't need God to do anything to help them. Is it possible that there could, that there could be a force in this universe that could be opposing God and trying to tell us that there is really no problem too big for worldly love and acceptance to deal with? That, that the world's problems really aren't that bad and everything will work out in the end if we would just stop judging people. Just stop trying to change people to be different. Just accept them how they are. That we just need to give God, people more time, more time to live their life. And by the time they die, somehow they will have done enough good things in their life to earn heaven. We just need to love people more and let them enjoy life the way they want to live. Don't put pressure on changes. Don't put pressure on expectations. See, if we, if we do that, we're only going to hinder them and we're only going to take away their freedom to be themselves. One of the things we learned on Thursday night with our conversation with Carrie Waldley is the most dangerous thing is a lie that we believe is true. A lie that we believe is true will destroy you. That's called deception at its best. Now, God has a different plan. And I want to show you a little video here that will examine how worldly love today is playing itself out. So as this video, you've, you might have seen this before, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's worth seeing again. But I want you to look at how they use the word love in this video. Look, check it out. Labradoodle. What? Yeah, right down there. Oh, <laughs> I love good breed. It's so good. Yes, half lab, half moodle. Wait, what? Incredible. Moodle? Yeah. No, that's a not a thing ever. No, no, it totally is. Uh, a moodle. Isn't that, isn't that Dave from Econ? Oh, yeah. What is he doing up here? He's, he's probably just enjoying the view, man. Wait, isn't, isn't Dave blind? We gotta warn him. Hey, hey Dave. Whoa, 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 bro. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You can't, you can't just tell Dave what to do. Wait, why? Are you blind? Uh, no. Okay, so then you don't know what Dave's gone through. You can't really relate to him, man. Just, just, just let him be, he's totally fine. Literally slipping right now. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna get all up on him for for slipping. Like everyone slips from here and there. I don't it's care no if he slips. I'm just trying to keep it. a guy from falling off a cliff. No, no. Okay, listen. What what I think you need to do right now is you just need to love him. You need to not point out. What does his that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. Okay, like if you. If you point out his weaknesses, he won't feel loved, he won't feel accepted. I'm just, feel I'm just accepted. trying to keep a guy from going off the cliff. No, you're not even stopping. You're, hey, you're Dave! No, whoa, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it! You speak out against blind people, so what many people will be upset with you? with you. No, so many people won't like you. But also, what if, what if he doesn't like us anymore? You ever thought about that? Dave will be dead. I need to say, hey, no, no, Dave! No, 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 Dave! No, no. Someone, is someone there? 
Uh, yeah. Hey, Dave, how's it going? It's, uh, it's Charlie from school. Oh, hey, man. Doing this for Dave's birthday. Uh, maybe you can help me out. I seem to have lost a trail somewhere. You, you want to tell me if I'm going the right way? Maybe he is lost. You're right. We, we should still just encourage him. Yeah, yeah, hey, no, Dave, you know, you're doing great, man. Uh, uh, you know, I love that you're out here, man, too. I I'm proud of you, being out on this trail. You're, you're doing great, man, you're, you're doing great. Okay, thanks, man. I say I'm going the right way. Watch, he'll figure it out. Just gotta love him through his comments. Yeah, you got it, man. Dave, what are you doing? What? Dave? 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 Which friend are you? Do you see how the worldly love would love people? Hey, you're okay, man. I, I don't want to say anything bad about you because I don't really understand your situation. I don't understand your upbringing. I don't understand what, what brought you to where you are today. And so I, who am I to tell you anything? Who am I? And, and because I don't want you to judge me. I don't want you to get mad at me. I'm not judging you. No. What, is, what was the result here? How, how did they use the word love? What did that video say to us? What kind of love were, were they challenging themselves with? See, the result of worldly love encouraged Dave all the way to the point where he fell off the cliff. We can't talk bad about blind people. Nobody's talking bad about blind people. All you're saying is pointing out the fact that, Dave, there's a, there's a cliff there. There's a cliff there, and if you don't be careful, if you don't turn around and go the other way, Dave, you're going to fall off the cliff and it has nothing to do with you being blind. It's the fact that there's a cliff there. And we want to just watch out for you. We're trying to help you. And what the, what the side said is, we just have to love them through their problems, man. Just love them through their problems. See, worldly love and acceptance of everyone's choices as being okay will end up in destruction. Proverbs chapter four, 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The Living Bible Translation says it this way. Before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road that seems right but ends in death. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. See, just like we said a couple of weeks ago, we can justify what we want to do in many ways. We just have to convince ourselves that we're good and that we're on the right road, right? But the Bible is clear about the right road. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Boy, that seems like such a, a, a limiting verse, doesn't it? It seems so narrow-minded that there's only, uh, only going to be a few that find it. See, but God loves us so much. He did something for us. We've already agreed that in our 
born natural state, we are in need of a God to do something. That we are not in a right relationship with God right now because Adam and Eve broke their relationship. So the day that I'm born, I'm born a sinful person, and so are you. We are all born in a relationship that is not right with the Lord. And thankfully, through those years of accountability, that if something happened to a young child, they're not going to be judged that way because they're not at a point where they can make their own choices. But we get to the point of time and age where we are accountable, and everyone in this room has reached that age of accountability. So now we have to make a choice. Are we going to enter through the wide gate and walk down the broad road, or are we going to enter through the narrow gate and live on the narrow road through our journey of life? There's a form of love that we haven't discussed yet. And this form of love proves the fact that God truly does love us. What is that form of love? Well, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Read this with me. It's a long verse. It's a long passage, but read this. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 5. And it says, Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he what? He disciplines the one he loves. That's a different kind of love than we've discussed so far. This is, well, this is truly agape love, right? He disciplines those, the ones that he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. See, God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he did something about our sin. He gave us a way out, and if he wouldn't have done that, we would have, been without, we would have been hopeless. The way out that he gave us is Jesus. Jesus, his perfect life that he lived and the death that he died is payment for our sin, right? We all know that. And that's day one of our, of our salvation. That is day one. When I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and then make him my Lord, that is, a, that is the first day of my true life eternity. But what happens after that? What happens on day two and beyond? And this is the love that the world needs. Right now, this is the message that the world needs because God's love is a love of a loving parent that disciplines their child so that they grow up to be God-loving and God-fearing adults. We are not raising children. We are raising God-fearing adults. That's our position. That's our responsibility. And that's the way God loves us. He doesn't love us to be immature children or immature uh, creations that don't ever reach out to him in love. He loves us to the point through his discipline, and that proves us to us his love. So our, our love, the love that we need, 
is that we need a love that is willing to tell us and lead us on the path of truth without the fear of not being loved by the person that we claim we love. <laughs> Does that make sense? We need to love people and be willing to tell them and lead them in a path of love in truth without the fear of not being loved by them. Because so many times we have a bigger fear of man than we have a fear of God. And that is not love. If I love you without having a fear of God in me, then I'm really not loving you. This is true love. You see, a little while ago, we talked about that opposing force of God, and that opposing force, in case you didn't pick it up, is the devil. It's his, it's his role to get us into thinking that God has a different plan for us, that, his, his, that God is truly not on on our side. God is truly against us. That's, that's what God, that's what the enemy is trying to do. And the, the devil is going to sway the entire world against you and I as true followers of Christ. And it would make our beliefs and our moral standards and our moral codes of conduct to be um, so narrow and bigoted and judgmental. And that they, basically, they would make us the haters. And you know what I'm talking about. That if we dare speak out against the lifestyle of another person that is a non-Christian and not living according to godly standards, then we're considered bigots and we're considered haters. That's the farthest from the truth. Because for the fact that I would speak up to a brother or sister that I know is not living righteously and I would try to steer them on the right path, I would do that because I love them so much. Not because I hate them. If I hate them, I'll let them go. If I hate them, why would I want to bring more stress into my life by trying to create a, conf a confrontation that would prove the fact that I really love you and the fact that I'm going to go out on the limb, I'm going to stretch myself a little bit here, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to reach into your life and I'm going to try to help you because I don't want you to fall off the cliff. That's love. But that's not the way the world defines it. It's the kind of love of God's discipline that we need in our life. God's plan for our life, the plans that he has for our lives are good and will always result in the best long-term outcome. Amen? The writer of Hebrews said it to us in verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's th this is the love of God's discipline that the world needs. It's the only thing that will save us and change us. Jackie, would you come help us wind this down this morning? I guess my question to you is, what do you think about this? What are your thoughts about a loving God and what is God asking you to do in relationship to how he loves you and to how you love other people? Um, do you see yourself being put in that position of um, 
coming under God's discipline? Are you, jo- are you willingly coming under God's discipline or do you squirm under the fact that God would put his finger on you a little bit? Maybe some of the things happening in your life are a way to get your attention a little bit. See, I'm here to, ta- I'm here to tell you that God's plans for our, for our life are good and they will always result in that longer-term best outcome. The Living Bible Translation says it this way in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says that being punished isn't always enjoyable while it is happening. In fact, it hurts. But afterwards, we see the result, a quiet growth in grace and character. So take a new grip with your tired hands. Stand firm on your shaky legs and mark out a straight, smooth path for your feet so that those who follow you, though weak and lame, will not fall and hurt themselves but become strong. See, this is, what the, this is the plan that God has for us, is that we would be able to accept discipline as true love, as true proof of God's love for us. Not just that sappy kind of love that I accept you the way you are and I'm going to leave you there. Thank God he does accept us the, way us the way we are. But his plan is not to leave us there. And I can say this, that the best way that we can prove our love for our families and for our friends is that we allow God's discipline to lead us. To lead us so that then we can lead others. That's how I prove my love to my family. That's how I prove my love to you in this church. That's how I prove my love to my wife and to anyone else and my friends is that I love them enough to speak truth into their life not judging them, not condemning them, but to simply guide them along God's planned life for them. To finish this off, let's just read the rest of Hebrews. Chapter 12, starting at verse 14, it says, This is how we're to live. Try to stay out of all quarrels and seek to live a clean and holy life. For one who is not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Watch out that no one becomes involved in sexual sin or becomes careless about God as Esau did. He traded his rights as the oldest son for a single meal. And afterwards, when he wanted those rights back again, it was too late even though he wept bitter tears of repentance. So remember and be careful. That's the way we are to truly love people. This is the love that the world needs more of. Do we understand it differently today? Yeah. This is the love that we're to share with people. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, yes, we recognize love as being all-encompassing and how you've reached your hand out towards us and just loved us unconditionally the way we are. But I thank you so much that you didn't leave us there in that unsaved condition. I thank you that you loved us enough to send Jesus to become our Savior. And then after he ascended went back to heaven, that you then sent your Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our guide into that relationship with him, that we can have that daily experience through the power of the Holy Spirit that would guide us and keep us. 
So Father, help us to appreciate discipline. Help us to appreciate a stern word. Help us to appreciate a loving friend that would come alongside of us and gently and, and maybe not so gently ask us questions. How you doing? What's going on? Why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? Why are you thinking that? Why are you living that way? Those are not judgmental. Those are loving questions that a brother would give to another brother that he loves. So I pray, Father, that we would accept that and we would live in that. And I pray this church would be that kind of a church that we would love each other that way and that we would love the world that way and that we would show that love into our community because that's true love and that's real and that's what we want to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing. There is none like you No one else can touch my heart like you do I could search for all eternity long And find there is none like you Your mercy flows like a river wide And healing comes from your hands Suffering children are safe in your arms There is none like you Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. And I thank you, Lord, that we can then share that love to others. And, Lord, that we can truly give the world what it needs. And that is love, true love. Love the way you've defined it. Love through discipline. Love through your mercy and your grace. Love through the fact that you love us enough that you would say, No, I don't want you to hurt yourself. So choose me. Choose me and live. Choose me and live. And, God, that is our desire. And that is our prayer. And I pray blessings on your people today. That as they go to their homes, as they go to their places of work this week, that they will be encouraged to love people that way. That they will be encouraged to love them, Lord, with a sense of true commitment to to their friends and their family. And that we truly would give the world more of what it needs, and that's love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go to your homes today. Be blessed.